If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, we are back for another episode of Teaching Science in 3D podcast, and today we are answering a listener question. So Alyssa asked, how can we best facilitate student discussions remotely? So we're talking about online learning again. Um, again, that's kind of the reality for a lot of us. So yeah, how can we, you know, we are, our students are not in the classroom, or honestly, even if you're in a classroom, but you have to socially distance and you're one-to-one, -one, you could tech like theoretically use these same practices and have like online discussions in your classroom <laughs> so anyway how can we do it how what can we do um remotely um well i think the first thing to consider is if it's synchronous or asynchronous learning that you're doing because um you kind of would treat those things a little bit differently so like if you're doing it synchronously and you're in a zoom meeting or something like that then you could just do things like give students some wait time and then have them, you know, call on students like you would in a more traditional classroom. And, um, and I think a lot of us are moving away from kind of the, the crisis learning that we did in the spring, you know, where we just were kind of like trying to get by to something a little bit more structural where we'll actually be meeting with students and be required to meet with students a little bit more often. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, um, so I think it's important to consider how you're using for those of, you know, if you are, are having this synchronous learning time, like how you're using that time. Cause you definitely don't want to use that time to do like lecture or notes or anything like that. You want to use that time to do maybe formative assessments or discussions or maybe some exploration in the sense that maybe students are doing some exploring and you're there to support them. If you know, it's a, it's an activity that they might struggle with something like that. Um, so I think that discussions are really good to use during that synchronous learning time, but I think you can also do discussing discussions asynchronously. So using like a, 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 just discussion board, Google, you know, questions in Google classroom, doing Padlet. I mean, really whatever tool floats your boat, like whatever, use whatever tool you want. Um, but setting it up so students can really respond to, to whatever question or whatever phenomenon and to make meaning from their experiences. Cause that's really what discussion in NGSS is about. It's that like meaning making. 
So it's not just about, you know, talking about your ideas. It's like talking about these ideas to come to a consensus on what happened and why it happened and, and getting to those science ideas you want them to get to. So I think what you mentioned about like giving wait time is perfect for synchronous. And even for asynchronous, you're not really giving wait time, but you're giving them the questions and giving them some time to think about and respond to those questions. Um, and I think along those lines, also giving a break so students can go back and respond to each other is important because we don't want students just talking to us. We want them talking to each other. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, how we teach procedures in the beginning of the year, you're going to have to teach them exactly how you want them to respond to each other, what's an appropriate way to respond to each other, like how to argue, um, you know, using the science and engineering practices and not just shouting at each other, you know, during, um, like taking turns if you're doing it um, during a meeting, all of those kinds of things, you're going to have to establish those norms with your students because, if you just go in and you ask questions like, hey, you know, what's the, what do you guys think about this? Then it's just going to be crazy. You're going to have, you know, 30 kids trying to talk at once and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The more structure you can give, the better. I mean, structure in terms of how you answer the question and how many times you answer. Like, should you go back in and respond to other students a certain amount of times? Um, and then like what you actually say Maybe you give them a sentence stem to get them started. Maybe you talk about um, even just help students understand how, especially for anything that's written, like a written discussion, how things can be misinterpreted when it's text. I feel like a lot of adults don't even understand this. Mm -hmm. You look at like Facebook arguments and things. Um, you know, so how like your tone might not always come across as clearly in a written form. Um, so when you're critiquing or when you are engaging in some kind of argument or disagreeing, like how you can do that in a way that really conveys a, a more positive um, interaction, I'm disagreeing with you, but I'm not attacking you, um, versus, you know, I'm attacking you. We <laughs> don't want them to attack each other. <laughs> um, and also even how to respond when you, if you do feel attacked, you know, maybe responding with more curiosity like why do you think that rather than I don't know name calling or something like yeah. that <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah and I mean you would have to do that in your regular classroom anyway yeah. it's just yeah. establishing like how you facilitate that online like I know um it, last year I had my google my comments in google classroom turned off because kids were like you know like spamming with just like just like writing the letter Z over and over again, but it, I never taught them how to use that. So of course that's what they're going to do. So I just turned it off. But if I would have gone in and said, Hey guys, we're going to use this for this specific purpose. This is how you're going to be receiving credit for it. Yeah. Then it would have been a totally different ball game. Yes. And I think that is a good point. The spring was that like emergency remote learning we were making do, but this fall we have to approach it. Like this is how we are teaching and we need to do our best. So just turning off features or not doing things. I mean, sometimes maybe, maybe like right. today's right. that day, we're just turning it off. Right. But, but we also, if, if there's any, I don't know if you just heard my, my, talk, my, my um, he's a Tabby. He's like half baby, half toddler. Um, oh, I've never heard that before. I like that. Yeah, it, I like, I saw that term somewhere and I was like, oh yeah, that's him. He's like not quite a baby, but he's not like quite a toddler either. He's a Tabby. Yeah. Uh, basically that just means he just destroys everything. And so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so anyway, 
Uh, but we do need to approach it like this is how we're teaching and we need to spend the time teaching the procedures and teaching the structures and teaching those norms and all of that so that we can like can use these tools and not just say it's too hard for them to use it because in our classroom we wouldn't just say it's too hard for them to discuss we're not going to do it like you right, right. We wouldn't do that in the classroom so we can't just do that because our classroom looks different now yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so I think yeah just teaching all of that stuff like literally teach everything. Don't expect that they know how to do anything because kids don't know. They, they don't know how to do anything. And they, they can't transfer skills like from one class to another, you know, like they, they need to be taught how to do it. You know, if you're the history teachers having a discussion with them, like doing discussions with them, you can't expect that they're going to transfer that to your class. No. Yeah. Yeah. Go through like all of it in your class. And it does mean spending more like taking away content time up front, but it's going to save you in the long run long run and it's going to lead to better learning later on because you can you're not going to spend time managing silly comments and you're not going to spend time managing fights or or anything like that you know so investing in that time up front I know I struggled with that as a new teacher like I just wanted to dive into content I didn't want to waste time with procedures and all of that but then you realize oh I should have wasted the time early on because I'm still dealing with this in like February and I could have nipped it in the bud way back in September right um, so it's just it is worth doing and setting those norms early on is important for both asynchronous and synchronous discussion absolutely um, what are some other ways that we can get students like I think especially talking to each other in um, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous rather than just like talking to the teacher because when you get a big group of students together a lot of times you know as the teacher asks a question and everybody just answers the teacher um, I think that there's a lot of, I, I think that technology is really our friend here. <laughs> there's so many different platforms that allow you to um, like do breakout rooms, you know, in Google Meets or, or not Google Meets, Zoom, I guess is the one where you can do breakout rooms. Um, I've even seen teachers using Flipgrid, like, so students have a video, like record themselves on video and then students respond in the comments. Mm -hmm. So just being creative about how you are, um, how you're setting up that that ability for them to discuss and then you know once you've established those norms it will kind of take off from there yeah I've also seen like collaborative documents so like maybe if you have a breakout room they're working on a collaborative document that can be a way to like kind of manage all of your rooms um, but then I've also seen like this idea with using something like Google Slides or a collaborative document where students can share their work like let's say you had a modeling drawing like here's a phenomenon they do some sort of explanation of it or a picture or whatever they or even a video whatever they can upload it on the slide and then everybody can add comments to the slide so it's kind of like there are several different discussions going on because each student or each student group has their own slide but they can they can be really re be responding to each other's ideas within those slides um so i think that is like yeah like you said is a good way to get them actually talking to each other and not just you yeah and they totally know how to do that because like I don't like I, they last year were you know like when we were doing stuff in class they would have these you know like side chats going on you know like on a google doc or something so they understand that concept it's just like framing it so that they're actually being productive <laughs> yeah not just talking about it, I don't know. um yeah. yeah exactly um I think one thing that is important for all of your discussions is having after, if you do breakout rooms, if you do collaborative documents, if you do even just like um, question and posting and all of that, 
some sort of synthesis afterward, whether it is you pooling written responses, you know, like highlighting a couple of those and having a big group discussion, or, you know, if you did breakout rooms, maybe each group a little bit presenting their ideas and what was talked about and then discussing all of those together. I think, um, yeah, just having that synthesis and that review is important because sometimes you can lose some of the meaning when it's all kind of scattered all, all around. Yeah, and that's something that you can do kind of like with the flipped classroom model where you, you know, you can, if you have a limited amount of time, they could do that during your like synchronous time and then you could wrap it up for them kind of in like a video asynchronously. Yeah, yeah, like even like a video, even if you wanted to like just kind of provide some notes like at that point. Um, I think one thing that, and this might be a little bit more work on your part, but I could see it really, um, just engaging students and helping with the relationship building. If you can highlight like who said what, or, you know, if it was from a post and you could actually, you know, this is what Nadine said. Um, I feel like that could really build that sense of community and recognize like the contributions of your students to the discussion. Cause, cause anytime you can just re re take their words and say it back to them to explain whatever science concept you want, like that's way better than just giving them your words. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that building community is so important right now because they're not going to be able to like see each other's little faces and, you know, all of that. So just knowing that those people, it kind of feels like they, like everybody's like in the void right now and you can like know that they actually still exist, you yeah. know, seeing somebody's name. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think, I think that is like kind of the big thing. So what do we say? We said, Definitely like giving questions, giving think time. I mean, a lot of these are best practices. Like we've said in episode one, best practices are still best practices. Setting your norms for discussion and teaching those norms. Giving think time to students. Um, giving, you know, starting conversations in small groups. In the classroom, we do like think, pair, share and things like that all the time. Same kind of concept, but online. Um, encouraging them to talk to each other. So using either tools like maybe Flipgrid or um, like collaborative documents to again, have them talk to each other first. Um, I think also we didn't mention this and this is probably the last thing that we, we had, I think we wanted to address, but just having some kind of reflection, I think for students too, so that they can think back about their own engagement in that discussion and get it. If you give them a reflection of some sort, um, almost like a rubric, but not necessarily graded, more just a, did I do these things? How well did I do them? You can kind of give them a target for what a really good discussion, even online looks like. Like I responded to other people, not just the teacher. I respectfully agreed or disagreed, or I added to others ideas instead of only sharing my own. Um, you know, anytime that we can give students examples like that and then have them respond reflect back on what they did or didn't do and even maybe identify I I didn't respond to anybody at this time so next time I want to make sure I really go in and respond or I gave my idea but I didn't add to anybody's idea so maybe I want to see if I can do that next time I, I love that um I I didn't think about that but anytime you can add that metacognition piece it's so huge and you could do that so easily like on a google form and just have that be oh. like your checkout for the day and yes it doesn't have to be a big elaborate thing just a little quick reflection and it could be totally done that that could be asynchronous you know you don't even have to use your um but that yeah that could be a good like exit ticket to make sure everybody stayed till the end <laughs> give them give them the link at the end and make sure they uh 
they completed it. And it's a super, you could even add a little formative assessment at the end, like what, you know, explain the phenomenon based on what we talked about today, or just one thing that you learned or whatever you want to say, you know? Yeah. And if you do that, like one thing you learned, you can use the same Google form over and over again, oh, which I yeah. <laughs> or like yeah, trying to change anything. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> work smarter, not harder. Yes. So let's actually one other question I think related to this. How often do you think that students should be having these discussions in your class? Oh gosh, all the time. Like I feel like, <laughs> I mean, anytime that there's an opportunity, they, they learn so much more talking to each other. They have more fun when they're talking to each other. They like any opportunity that you have to make it a, you know, a group collaboration activity, as long as it's productive, then I, yeah, do it all the time. <laughs> Okay, I'm so glad you said that. I was talking to another teacher and they're like, we do it once a unit. And I think that their their perception was like, it was a very big formal discussion. And so maybe that is like what they do once a unit is like a big formal discussion. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, I mean, if you're meeting three times a only if you're only meeting three times a week, maybe it's once a week because maybe the other times they're doing a little, maybe doing formative assessment check-ins, maybe the other time they're doing an exploration that you're guiding them through. I don't know. But like, if you can include like a 15 minutes, you know, if you're with them for 60 minutes in a 15 minute short discussion where they can share some ideas or something like that. Yeah, I agree. It like as often as you can do it, the better. And it doesn't have to be a big, long, elaborate thing. It can just be, um, you know, here's 10 minutes, go talk in a breakout room and come back with an idea. Or here's a question, think about your response for a few minutes and, you know, be ready to share it with us. And we're going to spend 15 minutes talking about the idea. Yeah. I had a student um, in the spring who she told me she just couldn't write anything down. She felt like she understood it, but she just couldn't write anything down. And I had her and another student in a Zoom meeting. And I told her, you know, just tell him what you're thinking. Just talk it out. And within five minutes, she had her entire assignment done. You know, just she just needed somebody to say something to so that she could process it. I've said that my best ideas come when I'm talking to people. <laughs> my example of this is my college philosophy class because I would have the most brilliant ideas, at least I thought they were brilliant, whenever we were having discussions and I was listening to other people's ideas and I'd be just struck with this brilliance and I would be dying for the professor to call on me because I'd be like raising my hand like a, and I'm, if you can't, I mean, you obviously can't see me, but I'm just doing that obnoxious, like Hermione Granger raising my hand for the moment. <laughs> yes, um, yes. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, brilliant idea. Oh my gosh, brilliant idea. And I mean, they probably weren't that brilliant. But the point is that like really good ideas usually happen not when you're just thinking to yourself, but usually when you're actually talking to other people or yeah. like listening to other people and responding to their ideas and processing their ideas. So I totally agree. Doing these, like these, these discussions should really be an integral part of your, your NGSS online classroom, just like they are part of your NGSS regular classroom. <laughs> Well, I went to a training. It was really interesting because I think that both of us are like verbal processors, which is probably why we're doing a podcast. Yeah. And I just assumed that like everybody was like that, but they had um, us basically like get in a line of like how you like to process your information, like from just spewing out whatever, you know, comes into your brain, which I think is how I like to process it to like sitting down with a piece of paper and sketching it out. And it was a much bigger spectrum than I would have thought. So again, going back to that wait time to help yeah. students who don't necessarily, necessarily process things in the same way yeah. to, to, you know, include them in yeah. that. 
That's good too. And that's also something to consider why asynchronous, there might be benefits in that. Like you might have asynchronous discussion, Zoom time, but you might also want to provide an option where students can write something out and post their thoughts later because they might want to take a little bit more time to process it or they might want not feel comfortable talking in front of the class but they're really comfortable writing it down so even combining those discussion strategies I think ideally is really the best way to to balance really the needs of your students you know the ones that like to talk and the ones that maybe listen to the conversation but really when it comes to sharing their ideas they're more comfortable with writing them down yeah, and I think about like one of the good things that I think will come from all of this is that we're going to find new ways to solve problems that we can bring back to the classroom with us because I see this being huge when we come back to the classroom having students respond online and then discussing with each other, you know, just using these strategies that we've been coming up yeah, with. I think there's so many like good things that, I mean, this is a super challenging situation. This is horrible. People are literally dying, like not a good thing, but I do think that this could lead to some good um, impacts to our education system in terms of just kind of changing up the, it's forcing us to try different things and forcing us to do new things, like across the board, not just education, but like literally business, yeah, everything. It's, and, and there's going to be some positive changes that do happen as a result. So yeah, let's make education be one of those areas that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so that is all we have for that question. So how can we best facilitate student discussions remotely? And hopefully you didn't hear my Tavy upstairs again. Um, all right, so thanks for tuning in. I don't know, Erin, do we have anything else to say to wrap up? Um, I don't think so. Just um, please keep, continue um, leaving us reviews. We love them so much. It like makes our day when we go into like Apple Podcasts and we're like, we got a review. <laughs> so. I know, seriously. I'm like, oh, people like me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> somebody's listening <laughs> yeah I know I get the emails that tell us about our listeners and I'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh there's like more than three no I'm just, we're, actually, we're like in the 400s now so that's exciting yeah actually by the time this airs like which we hopefully will be more than 400s but oh yeah I think so yeah uh, anyway so that's all we have for you thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next week bye Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.